0: SIT TIGHT, TAKE HOLD A Good Omen's Potfik, written by Needed and read by Literarian and Jab. Part 1 of the Hashtag Rainbow Road series. Chapter 3 Intercity Istanbul Park, Turkey Summary Isira crashes out in Istanbul. So, Izira says, twiddling his thumbs back and forth on the bus. The team had departed and gone their own separate ways for a week after the opening race, but met up again at IST in Istanbul. From the airport, they piled onto their team bus to the racetrack. Now he sits, knees knocking into rafts on the hour-long drive, trying to find a way to tell him about his sordid encounter with one of his favourite drivers. Then again, sordid might not be the right word. Charming? Yes. Exhilarating? Also yes. Sexy? Absolutely. But also more chaste than he'd dreamed about, not that he'd admit to fantasising about A.J. Crowley. Well, he's certainly been fantasizing now. He swallows, throat suddenly dry, and his track pants a little tighter. What will he even say when he runs into him again? Raff won't even look up from his phone. It's the fourth time Isiras attempted starting a conversation, only to peter off lost in thought. Maybe if he just says it now, his friend won't hear him and then later he can pretend as though nothing happened. He clears his throat. Ahem... <clears throat> uh, doesn't even blink and instead reaches over to the side compartment for his Gatorade. Right, good. He won't be able to say something with a mouthful. Izira waits for him to take a sip and then blurts out, I may have made out with Anthony Crowley back in Australia. Ralph coughs and spouts a blue spray everywhere into the aisle. Several other people turn back to look at him while he hacks, one hand on his chest, his face red. (laughs) I'm sorry, you what? Shh! You can't tell me that and rush me. Isira's known Raph forever, it feels like. They were on the same junior team a decade ago when the engineer had still been a mechanic and they'd bonded over torrented reruns of Eurovision because they always missed the contest due to tournaments. Raph was the first person he ever came out to and he always gave him shit over his Anthony Crowley poster, which he hung up year after year at camp. The tattered thing is packed away in his duffel in a poster tube for good luck back when the driver still wore his Ferrari reds. Raf looks over at the other passengers, who have gone back to their podcasts and phone games. Then he leans over. What? The fuck? Izira lets out a squeak as he presses his lips together in a thin line. (laughs) Just thinking about it makes his hands sweat. Why are you telling me this now? To be honest, I still can't believe it happened. It was all a bit of a mistake. The engineer tilts his head and closes his eyes, taking a moment to calm himself. Only you would snog one of the world's best drivers and call it a mistake. Ezira looks out the bus window for a moment. He doesn't think it was a mistake and would do it all over again if he could. It's just that Crowley was long gone by the time he woke up, his yellow and black Renault cap left forgotten on the floor, and he hasn't heard from him since. It's not like they traded numbers or anything, but still. They're all on the same circuit. I didn't really have anything to do with it, really, he says. He instigated it, and then he backed off, just when it was getting good. Well, then what happened? He shrugs, trying to look more casual than he feels. Kissing Anthony Crowley is a big fucking deal. We fell asleep. I let him share the bed, cause he was too drunk to find his hotel room, and when I woke up, he'd already ducked out. Ralph blinks at him, then stares with wide eyes, followed by more blinking. Um, sharing a bed is a bit more than snoggin'. It was over the covers. You and I have shared a bed before. Yeah, but have you ever wanted to bugger me up against the wall? Please don't make me vomit," Isira says, feigning nausea. He sticks a finger in his mouth and gags. Leaning his head back against the seat, Raff lets out a little chuckle, more a moan of despair than anything humorous. "I can't believe you. What if I come back to the hotel room? Ezeera rolls his eyes, but suppresses his glare. He saw Raf flirting with the bartender after the party and knew exactly how the rest of the night went for his roommate, who was always disappearing after events with the nearest available girl. The number of times Izira has walked in on him with someone is at least ten times too many. So what are you gonna do? Raf asks. Izira goes quiet. F1 drivers fall into two camps. The older, more established men usually are married. It's easy for them to find a hot model and settle down. Even Horner, the Red Bull team principal, is married to Ginger Spice. The younger ones are all free agents when it comes to sex and romance. F1 is all work and no play until the race is over, and then they have three day benders on multi level yachts and in jacuzzis with unlimited champagne service, surrounded by the glitterati. If you work hard and you're the best, you party hard. He falls into an undefined third camp by himself. He's not out. Not while his career is still so fragile. Every move he's made since he was a teenager has been carefully crafted and the few times he's ever gotten handsy with someone, he felt like vomiting out of fear the morning after, hoping no one would run to the press. The only consolation is that AJ Crowley has much more to lose if anyone found out. There won't be a next time. There won't ever be an opportunity for romance or even a one-night stand, not with Crowley nor anybody else, until he's long retired and forgotten by Formula One. I still have his hat. I'll just uh, give it back to him, tell him it's all cool. I won't tell a soul. Raf is kind enough not to comment on the nauseated look on Ezra's face. You're not gonna keep it for your spunk bank. God, you're awful, Ezra says with a grin. Then he swats his friend's knee. Do you think I'm allowed to call him just Anthony yet, though? Now that I've had his tongue in my mouth. And what, deprive me of having to hear you say his full name in all caps every five minutes? I have Anthony Crowley's hat and have deduced the specific shampoo Anthony Crowley uses when he's soaping himself up in the shower. Oh, shut it. I've extracted Anthony Crowley's DNA from a loose strand of hair left behind on Anthony Crowley's cap and I've cloned the first human ever who I've named Anthony Crowley. Izira groans, though he's never felt more grateful for his friend. Ah, piss off. They sit in silence for a moment, And then Ruff starts laughing. It's uncontrollable, hideous, ugly sort of cackle. When he finally catches his breath, he says, between gulps of air, (laughs) Holy hell, no matter what else happens this year, you snogged Anthony Crowley after your debut race. What a welcome to Formula One. It's so absurd. Isera can't help himself. He laughs until his ribs hurt all the way to the racetrack. <music> Crowley nudges his way through the way in line. Ligger behind him. The staffer working the station gestures for him to stand on the scale, and the little light on the man's computer blinks and beeps. The rest of the drivers in the queue behind him fall silent and turn to look at him. 71 kilos. What? Crowley asks. That's not right. We'll have to weigh the car again, the man says. We'll notify them to adjust the weight of the ballast. Ligger behind him shakes his head. The mechanics won't like that, you think, Crowley says with a sharp bite. He steps off the scale so his teammate can take a turn. I thought you looked skinnier when you showed up a few days ago. I've been running a bit more over the last two weeks. Not for fitness, he doesn't add, but to burn off the anxious energy running through him since Melbourne. It was one of the first things he'd done that morning, waking up in Melbourne. He went for a run to shake out his ringing hangover and clear his thoughts, and he'd woken up every morning since then with the same buzzing energy. It wasn't exhilaration. It was adrenaline. It felt like trying to outrun a lion every single day. It had been a shock to wake up and see Fail in a deep sleep, his quiet breaths a stark counterpoint to the raging hangover in his head. He went through the evening, trying to trace his steps. He'd gotten dinner with Ligger and the rest of the team and then met up with some of the drivers for a nightcap in the bar. It got a little hazy from there, but he remembered catching Fail in the elevator and striking up a conversation with him. He should have declined the invitation to his room, but he was feeling out of sorts after his interview with Mark Loney and needed a distraction. Vale seemed like an interesting bloke, something new and unjaded, his gold-white curls and cheery disposition like the sun after a long downpour. They'd torn through the minibar and split a plate of chips and Crowley remembered being absolutely fascinated by the dip of Fale's lip, the smattering of freckles on his face and his tight blonde curls that still stuck haphazardly in every direction from wearing his helmet hours before. And then... Staring at the upturn of his nose while the other man slept on, he remembered they'd kissed. It had felt like drinking from a cool well. The muted fuzziness of the alcohol disappeared, washed away by that warm and pliant mouth, the stiff feel of sweat clinging to Izira's curls and those white fingers roaming down his chest. Everything came into focus, like lining up at the starting line in anticipation. The next morning, he slipped out of the bed and out the door, phone in hand. He texted bees frantically, What the fuck is my room number? and ended up getting cornered by them when he finally showed up to his own hotel room. It's not like you, they said. Don't start this habit of the younger drivers partying all night. It's opening season, he said, leaning on the wall in a feeble attempt to look casual. I went out with the boys. Yeah, and no one heard from you after midnight. They raised an eyebrow at him. I thought your wild days were over. We can't go through another bender, Crowley. It stung. He didn't need to be reminded about how he put his whole career on the line several years before. His drunken behavior almost cost him everything. Hell, it cost him his seat with Ferrari. He promised Bees he was on the straight and narrow, making a show of changing into his joggers and a t-shirt. Then he fumbled around looking for his cap with no success. See, he said, I'm going for a run. And then, because it was true and still is, he said, I am very serious about this race season, Bees. My contract is up. And everything is on the line right now. Crowley adjusts his sunglasses on his face, which have been a permanent installation since losing his team cap. He waits for Ligger to get off the scale, and they go into the back room together with the other drivers. He catches sight of fail out of the corner of his eye in his white racing overalls, standing next to his teammate. Sandalfon shouts across the room. The two drivers wave at each other, and then Crowley curses under his breath when his teammate starts heading towards Fail and Sandalfon. The debate begins in his head. Does he follow Ligger? It'd look weird if he didn't. Fuck, okay, it's no big deal, he tells himself in his head. What's a little snogging between rivals? There's no need to freak out. Georges, great race back in Melbourne. Yeah, you too. Glad to see you in the F1 circuit, finally. The two drivers smack their hands together in a rough handshake and then Sandalfon slaps fail in the back. This is his era. The younger man smiles, an awkward press of his mouth. He looks nervously between Crowley and Ligger. Hi. Hi, Crowley says. Bonjour, says Ligger. Let's go raid the snacks. He and Sandalphon break off, leaving their teammates stranded. Crowley rocks back and forth on his feet.
1: ''Hi,''
0: he says again, grimacing. ''Hi.'' There's a long pause between them before fail blurts out, ''I have your hat.'' ''Oh, right. Been looking for it.'' ''I can drop it off after the race, uh, unless you uh, are busy.'' ''No, no, after is great.'' They stare at each other, before Crowley remembers their little game with the tennis ball and the staring contest, and he looks away, neck suddenly warm in his racing suit. I'm actually staying a day or two in Istanbul to take in the sights. It's been a while since I've been back. Fail makes an agreeable noise and nods. Yeah, us too. We're going to hang out until Wednesday before flying back to HQ. We? Oui. Raff and I. Crowley's eyes grow wide. Uh, oh, oh, is Rav your... Engineer, Isira says quickly. He's my engineer and a friend. Right. Crowley ignores the flood of relief he feels. What would it matter anyway? Fail isn't his... whatever. Maybe you could show us around? His stomach drops. Looking at Fail's open, hopeful expression, he wants nothing more than to spend a few extra days with him, but it wouldn't be wise. The other driver must read something on his face, because he adds, as friends, just friends, you know, not as rivals, Crowley asks, cutting him off before anyone overhears them. Yeah, that. He must be crazy. Fail is still a little sunburned from Melbourne two weeks ago, his nose a pale pink. It shouldn't be endearing or attractive. The playful uptick of his mouth shouldn't set his nerves alight like the thrill of weaving through a chicane. He should say no, but it feels nice to have something to look forward to other than just the next race or the looming summer months when they'll all be jockeying for new contracts. I'd love to fail smiles great it's a day, a, a, a day he presses his lips in a thin line what sort of dangerous game are you playing crowley he asks himself but then again he is a professional driver at the highest level of the fastest circuit life's not worth living without a little danger in the mix Yeah, he says. It's a date.
1: Good afternoon. We are at the Intercity Istanbul Park for the Turkish Grand Prix, the second race of the season, and it looks like it's going to be a wet one. What do you expect with these road conditions? Well, my guess certainly is that the laps are going to be 15 to 20 seconds slower than at qualifying. There will be significant barriers for these drivers, including keeping their tires warm enough. There will be absolutely no grip out there on the track, which makes that first turn the most dangerous out of the entire race. Yes, the first three turns of any race are the most perilous while tyres are still warming up. But today especially, our drivers will have to be at their very best. Based on the season opener in Melbourne, who should we be looking out for? Well, when we talk about the leading pack, I don't think we saw any real surprises this season from last. Verstappen and Hamilton were on the podium as usual. Norris getting third was a little unexpected, but his star has been rising continuously these last few seasons, so it shouldn't be a huge surprise. But I think some of the younger teams are putting forth a solid fight. I was particularly impressed with newcomer Geo Force One, owned by Gabriel Seraf, who owns Seraf Distillery out of Kentucky. Even though Seraf isn't a driver himself, he comes from a very established pedigree, including his sister, Michael, who was a three-time winner of the W Series and is now the team principal. And we all thought Eric Sandelforn would be the lead driver, but it was the zero-fail who took P10 and scored points for Team G.O. I don't think that was expected at all. Fail is definitely one to look out for. And they're off. The first turn is treacherous, especially in the rain. Hamilton in the lead swerves. You can see he has no grip, even on wet tires, but he manages to hold on. Fail in the middle, starting in P13, goes wide, avoiding the cluster of drivers on the inside. It's not the fastest move, but it's the safest. He avoids an accident, but, oh, that sandal He's trying to squeeze past his own teammate. That's... oh, that's got to hurt for Team GL Let's get that on replay from the starting line. Fail is starting P13, Sandalfon is right behind him in P14. Remember, Fail was the only team member to score points last race, so Sandalfon is probably thinking he has to prove himself. They both have fairly decent launches off the start. Fail goes white, and right there, there, Sandalfone tries to pass on the inside, but his front wing catches on the Williams' right front tire, spinning him out of control, and he takes his teammate out with him. Potters and Ocon are casualties as well. Four drivers are out of the race at turn one. From Sandalfon's cockpit, Leon Uriel, engineer, OS. Eric, are you okay? Sandalfon hits the dash with his fist. Are you okay? Sandalfon is not happy with himself. Team principal, Michael Zaraf, is swearing up a storm back at the pit box. Fail is getting out of his car. He's all right. Is he checking on his teammate? It looks like Xenophon is alright by the looks of things if Fail is walking off. And they're waving the yellow flag. The safety car is out while they clean up the wreckage. It's a sad day for Geoforce 1, but I have to tell you, this will be a true test for their team on how they handle this. Teammates do crash into each other, and they either work it out, or it turns ugly. This crash right here could determine how the rest of the season plays out for Team GL. Alt-ID YouTube video A press conference post-Turkish Grand Prix Drivers P4 through P10 are mic'd up and sat behind a long press table. This question is for George's Ligger. How do you feel today about the race?
0: Uh, well, obviously I always want to do better, but considering the conditions of the wet roads, I'm happy to have crossed the finish line.
1: There's muffled laughter and assent from the other drivers. They all sigh in relief. And a question for your teammate who placed ahead of you today. AJ, how do you feel about your finish? Already there's been a lot of speculation about your driving performance and whether you'll be able to compete at this level for much longer after your lackluster results last year.
0: Right. Um, Jesus. Pull your punches, why don't you?
1: Laughter from the reporters.
0: I would like to have placed higher than P7. Do I think it's a great result? No. Acceptable? Yeah. And I hope it shows that I have consistency this year, even though we're
1: only two races in. You, Raikkonen and Alonso are now the oldest driver in the circuit. Many advice for the newcomers, Team G.O., after their unfortunate accident that knocked them out of the race?
0: I'll be blunt. It wasn't an accident. It was a crash that had a huge impact on their team. There was an inexperienced driver on a very difficult course in rough conditions, and I don't think the analysts prepared him enough.
1: Are you speaking about saddle or Faye?
0: I'm speaking about the driver who caused the crash and took three others out with him, including his
1: own teammate. Thank you for your time. Slash and ID.
0: The morning after the Turkish Grand Prix, Ezira and Raf are startled by someone pounding on the door of their hotel room. The fuck? Izira hears Raf mutter before throwing the covers back over his head. On the bed next to him, Izira also has the covers up, but he's been awake for hours, replaying the accident. He'd paid attention to the weather forecast and practiced taking the first turn wide during his practice laps over and over again. He did everything he was supposed to do, staying on the outside, avoiding the clusterfuck of cars, and still he got wrecked. It hurts worse that both of them were knocked out. They were dressed down so thoroughly by Michael when they returned to the paddock that the race was almost halfway over before she finally dismissed them. He can picture the Netflix episode already. Tension between teammates. A new, floundering team doomed for failure. It was embarrassing enough to watch the playback during the post-race analysis, but it'll be worse when it airs in the docuseries. Someone pounds on the door again and Raph grunts, crawling out of his bed. He shuffles over to the door in his socks and cracks it open. What? he asks, voice scratchy with sleep. Where's Fail? Under the covers, Izzy eyes shoot open. Fuck. Not him. He'd rather talk to anyone else right now. He'd even prefer Michael shout at him for another hour. Superstar legend Anthony Crowley is going to come in here and tell him, sorry mate, I can't be seen in public with such a loser. Also, you're the worst kisser I've ever met. I don't think he's fit for company, Ruff tells him. Move, Crowley says, shoving at the door. No, wait, hey! There's a commotion and then an unfamiliar set of footsteps approaching Isira's bed before the cover gets ripped off of him, exposing him to the horrifying light of day. He's in the fetal position in his boxes, while Anthony Crowley glares at him through his sunglasses. Get up! Isira says. Crowley turns on his heel and jerks the curtains open, and suddenly everything is worse. I'm not going to let you do this. Do what? Wallow. Isira grabs the nearest pillow and smothers it over his face. Muffled, he says, Sanderthal crashed into me. I didn't even make it round the first turn. Yep, shit happens. Get up. There's a struggle. Isira reaches down to snatch the covers, but Crowley's faster. He strips the whole bed of the sheets and throws something soft, which lands with a thud on Issyra's torso. Ferrari 2019, Vettel and Leclerc. Red Bull 2018, Ricciardo and Verstappen. Force India 2018, Paris and Oaken. Why are you listing better drivers than me? Because you're not the first driver to get taken out by your teammate, not even in the last five years. Isira pauses and runs through the dates in his head. The Red Bull crash was particularly brutal. He remembers watching the replay and groaning when one Red Bull rear-ended the other. They were leading P1 and P2 before they took each other out. He removes the pillow from his head and glares as best he can with creases on his face and unruly bedhead. A.J. Crowley's mouth twitches. What's this? he asks, looking down at the joggers and shirt thrown onto the bed. We're going for a run. Then... When Isera groans and goes for the pillows again, he jerks them from his hand. Listen, you either sit here and moan about it, or you get up and fix it. The longer you lie here, the more you're going to be in your head. You're going to doubt yourself. Next month in Germany, you're going to fear getting back in your car, and it's all downhill from there. You can kiss your F1 career goodbye. Isira stares at him for a long moment. The same determined look Anthony Crowley has in every promo picture is the same one he wears now, and his intensity is all directed at Izira like a spear. He groans again, but complies, grabbing his pants and shirt before dressing himself haphazardly. Istanbul in March is a cool 12 degrees. Ezera pulls his Geo Force One hoodie on and a pair of earbuds. He doesn't know how to feel about Crowley's company yet, but he definitely isn't in the mood to talk, and the other man lets him be once they hit the pavement, leading them in a five-mile wind along the Bosphorus River and through several parks. The water shimmers, blue and bright, almost aquamarine in the shallower areas. He knows they're on the opposite side of the Aegean Sea, but it makes him so homesick for Greece. They stop along the river to watch the boats float by. Crowley taps him on the shoulder, pointing to their left. Up ahead... Along the bank, they can see the Topkapı Palace, an old fortress where the old sultans of the Ottoman Empire used to live. Isira lets out a breathless laugh, suddenly feeling foolish about worrying over one race while standing before something hundreds of years old. Istanbul is beautiful with its dome-shaped buildings, a mix of Byzantine and Ottoman architecture which tells the story of its conquests and collapse. He stands before a wealth of history and prosperity, a bustling city moving forward with every breath and feels small in the face of it. He turns to look at Crowley, leaned up against a railing along the water's edge. He's a long, elegant stretch, face tanned, and hair fiery in the Mediterranean sunlight. Somehow, even with his sunglasses on, he makes it known that he's looking at his era. Better? he asks. Yeah. He jerks his head in the direction of the hotel and Ezera has a second to jam his earbuds in before they're off again at a quicker pace. Now that his head is a little clearer, he takes a moment to inhale the smell of sea salt to appreciate the reflection of the high sun from the river's waves. They reach the hotel and Crowley holds the door for him, And when Isera goes to push the button for his floor, Crowley reaches out and stops him before selecting his own floor. They walk down the hall in comfortable silence. Isera always feels like he needs to fill the space with chatter, but he's still pensive and feeling raw over yesterday, despite finding a better mindset. He doesn't ask why they're going to Crowley's room, just follows along. When Crowley opens the door, he's hit with the smell of delicious, savoury food, and his eyes go wide. There's a short person in his room, in a charcoal pinstriped suit and sharp-looking oxfords, busy on the phone. They don't acknowledge them when they enter beyond a lifted eyebrow. Crowley grins, all teeth. Hello, Lovey. They glare at him. Shut up. Then they shoot Ezra a curious look before extending a hand. I'm Bees, this idiot's manager and advisor. There's a moment of consideration before they add, and publicity agent. And apparently you're a delivery person. They point to several plastic bags on the table. Crowley claps his hands together. Yes, he says, like a giddy child. Then he turns to Isira. I figured you wouldn't be up for going to the restaurant, so I take takeout. Here he begins rummaging through the bags, checking various containers. Isira's blasted with the smell of spiced flatbread, lamb and mint, seared kebabs cooked to perfection and the aroma of fire-roasted tomatoes. But then Crowley makes a little uh uh-huh sound and plucks a small dough ball from one of the boxes. I present you with Lokma Isira takes it with unsure hands, their fingers brushing. The dough is soft, Crowley's face expectant, and he puts the whole thing in his mouth. How? <sighs> It's sweet, drizzled in sugar and stuffed with walnuts, a burst of cinnamon and ginger that warms him down to his core. He covers his mouth with a hand as he talks. This is... oh my God! Feeling better? He nods and can't stop the full-body wiggle that takes over him in delight. Bees looks up from their phone. Am I needed for this weird food, Audrey? Crowley leans one hand on the table and shakes his head. We're good, unless... He points at the food and then puts up his hands when they glare at him. Then he takes two strides over and kisses them on the cheek. Later, bye. I love you, he says, while ushering them out the door. Bees manages to flash him two fingers before the door shuts. When he turns back, Izira is caught red handed with two more lockmars in his hands. Um please, I'm always starving the day after a race Not that I really raced yesterday he says. Crowley shoots him a look before pulling up a chair, systematically opening and sniffing every container before judging them with a series of delighted or disgusted facial expressions. He settles on a kebab and a pile of flatbread. You ever hear my story about Munza? Ezera pauses mid-bite and runs through every Anthony Crowley factoid stored in his brain. He frowns. No. It was before I was an F1, running the junior circuits. You've driven Monza, yeah? Only like a hundred times. Crowley snorts. (laughs) Looks easy, right? But what did your coach always warn you? It's fucking fast. When Isera drove Monza for the first time, he cried the entire way through his first practice loop. It didn't matter that he had one of the slowest laps. He was so exhilarated to be there where all the greats before him had been. Autodromo Nazionale di Monza is one of the oldest purpose-built tracks in the world. The world's fastest lap time is at Monza. But what makes it exciting also makes it dangerous. I was 17, Crowley says. And you know, I'd been racing this course for years already, but my name was coming up a lot behind closed doors. I had a fast fucking car, and something had clicked that year. Puberty or something, or who the fuck knows? He pauses, sorting through the takeout containers, seemingly without reason. His fingers clench around his plastic fork. It had rained that morning. I wanted to be on slicks, but the ground was still damp. I went back and forth with the engineer over and over and over until they caved. It was stupid. Isira stops mid-bite to listen. A good driver would know better than to argue with their engineer, but all of them were too cocky at one point in their careers, thinking they were on top of the food chain. It's not true. He knows that now. He has his seat because of the hundreds of people who funded the project and designed the car and built it and tested it before he ever sat in it for the first time. I had pole position. I thought that nothing could take me down. I barreled through the first straightaway at max speed, but I braked way too late through the chicane. Wheels locked up. I meant to go left. The car went right. I drifted into the tire wall. Part of the front wing had broken off and lodged itself in my shoulder. A freak injury. Even with his sunglasses hiding his eyes, Izira can tell Crowley is off somewhere else, caught in the memory. I needed eighteen stitches. I was done for the year. But sure as hell, the opener for the next season was at Monza again, and I was scared shitless. I thought, that's it. I'm hanging up my helmet. I'll be a landscaper or or do pest control or something. What made you get in the car again? Izzy asks. Bees. (laughs) they just started as a talent agent. They cornered me after my accident and said, if I got in the car right then, they'd have me racing an F1 in a year. It took two years, actually, but you know. AJ Crowley wasn't the youngest driver to make it to F1, but at the time, a 20-year-old had been a big deal. Now they get younger every year. 19, 18, 17-year-olds. It won't be long until someone gets a contract before they're old enough to have a license. Isira's a bit of a late bloomer at 25, but he remembers Crowley entering the circuit for the first time when he'd been just nine. Do you know I still get nervous at Monza? Crowley asks, without looking up from his plate. You've won Monza. I've won Monza more than any other race in my career. I am tied for the most wins at the Grand Prix. He takes his sunglasses off and looks at his era, even though the bright room makes him flinch. And it still makes me want to piss Every time. Ezera chews slowly. I thought we're all supposed to be fearless. That and stupid. That's what makes us keep doing it. Crowley shakes his head. Nah, what you need is to be brave. You'll worry about getting on the track again with Sanderfon, but if you let it get the better of you, then he wins. The best drivers build themselves up from the ashes of failure. He holds the younger man's gaze until Isira nods. Then he puts his sunglasses back on. Isira mulls over it. He knows Crowley's right. He can be moan, getting knocked out of the race yesterday, but it's going to happen again and again and again. His conflict with Sandalfon is just one small battle in the long war ahead for a career in this. Then he jerks in his seat, food falling back on his plate. Oh, he says, I forgot your cap. Crowley leans an elbow on the table, fork dangling from his fingers. Around his lips is a smile, loose and relaxed. He pushes his glasses up the bridge of his nose and waves him off. Next time.